the only thing I want to talk about really right. is Hogmanay because I decided to come back down uh, to the central belt for that myself and Graham right, right, right. just bought lots of booze made some cocktails and about quarter to midnight we thought okay rather than just watch a, a phone screen turn to zero 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 okay let's put on anti-beeb and see what um Oli Murs or whoever it was was singing about <laughs> to, to bring in the bells, right? And so we decided to stream right. BBC One. Absolutely excellent choice. Now you may be already figuring out what the what the issue is here, but because I'd had several glasses of uh, blue movie cocktails, which are very tasty, by the way. Okay, I had forgotten that there is a lag on <laughs> st- streaming services. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> yes, and so. It's showing Big Ben, Big Ben's at 40, 39, 38, <laughs> 37, at 37 seconds, fireworks start going off in Glasgow. <laughs> I thought, wait, 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 what? Why? 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 They're 37 seconds early. Oh no, you missed the new year. To my horror, realized, check my phone, realized it was midnight. And because I was streaming something on the internet rather than watching it live... <laughs> We were about thirty seconds behind the new year, but at that point, I was just—I was so insistent. I was saying, to, "I was saying to him, no, 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 they're wrong. They're wrong. They've gone they're, early. They're it's wrong. early. No. This is the right one." Yeah, no. And only about yeah half an hour after uh, January first, twenty twenty-two, had begun, I reluctantly admitted, uh, "Yes, we we missed we missed the countdown." And I'm the, sorry. The sad thing about that is you've got to wait a whole nother year before you can try again. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm just living 30 seconds behind everybody else. 37 seconds, technically. To, uh, you might think it's midday, but actually it's still the morning. It's really difficult, actually, recording the podcast, because I'm having to reply to questions that Colin's not even finished yet. <laughs> yeah, you have to deal with the whole year of this. But uh, it's been a good start to the year, actually. I have I've successfully avoided COVID, despite the fact I genuinely <laughs> thought I had it. Oh, nice. Uh, I did not, which was great. Excellent. And... I have learned two new skills already. Accents. Uh, n- no. Oh. The first one the first one was how to fold a burrito probably properly. <laughs> probably. <laughs> no. I think we use the probably qualifier whenever you learn a new skill. Okay. I learned how to ride a unicycle probably. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to file my taxes legally. Probably. Probably. <laughs> but uh, no, I've, I learned how to do that last night, which was a new one because I had never known how to do it properly and I finally... Uh, figured that out. So thank you, people uh, of YouTube, yeah. for filming how to do it. All right. And I learned how to jumpstart a car. I did it. Whoa. Successfully. Well done. Well done, well done. Which uh, took a couple of attempts and it was raining, but we got it and it was one of the proudest moments of my life. It's a, it is a useful skill to have. Congrats to you. I've not learned any skills this year <laughs> yet, but maybe I will. <laughs> the, the funny thing is that I've had those cables in my boot since I bought the car because I thought, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to need to jumpstart a car at some point. And I've had that car yeah. for almost five years now. And that's the first time I've had to use them. But but it worked. It was amazing. That just says good things about your car, right? <laughs> and everybody else's cars around you. Yeah. Well, the funny thing was it wasn't my car that we used to jumpstart the other one, but it was my cables. Right. Okay. <laughs> which played a vital role in, in uh, helping... Um, Laura, go to Manchester. It's a three-car scenario. We don't we don't talk about three-car scenarios in the Christian world. No, it's it's very taboo to do that. 
But uh, no, there was a big masculine car and then there was our two little uh, Cleos. <laughs> so um, we decided to let um, let the big 4x4 four four right, right. do the Aye. do the powering up. Its battery is just way bigger. But I did <laughs> jumpstart a car and now I know how to do it and it's great. I feel like an actual man now. Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't buy that. I mean, I I can understand why you feel that way, but I think that's I think that's toxic. But it, well, I I get adult. it. Adult. I would agree with the word adult. Right. Because I think I think women can jumpstart cars better than you can on average. Well, there was it was myself and two women, so which is very unusual for me. Exactly. There you go. And they didn't go home and say, "I feel like a real man now." No, that's that is very true. Although they were very grateful, and one said, "I buy you a bottle of wine the next time I see you," oh. which I think is going to be never. Oh, um, so so it was it was a nice it was a nice platitude, but like uh, em, an empty gesture. Yeah, like yeah, oh, thank yeah. you for that bottle of wine, which I'll never get. It's an, it's an odd one. It's an odd one. Like I'll do something kind for you. <laughs> never. Do you know what? Sorry, I, I realized that this has become the Colin Stone story hour, but I did also do something, which is genuinely one of the most mortifying things of my life, which you will have missed out on hearing. I have because. You don't have Instagram because you're clever and you're smart. Oh, I, I have it. I just don't ever go on it. Okay. So last uh, Thursday, I came back from work okay. and the flat was freezing. Right. I tried to turn on the heating. Nothing happened. You tried to hug your cat. The, uh, the hot water still working. So I was like, okay, let's go and Google. Oh, no. Check the thermostat, replace the batteries, replace the batteries twice. Right. And still nothing. Right. And uh, so I was like, right, time to get the boiler man out. And so I messaged my boiler guy urgently and said hey oh no got no heating in the flat um <laughs> you can probably see where this is going oh no i've replaced the thermostat batteries twice uh, hot water still working uh, i don't know what to do i've i've googled it i've done all sorts and he said okay fine 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 and so he came out um on the friday afternoon after much hassling for me because i'd been sitting in essentially three layers and a jacket oh yeah it's freezy when you don't have it yeah terrible terrible weather last week very cold as well <laughs> right, yes and uh boiler man came in clearly had been all over the shop on this friday afternoon mm-hmm. came through to the boiler opened the cupboard door and said um colin your boiler is off here's the on button yep and he turned the boiler on yes and the heating came on mm-hmm. i was he was clearly very annoyed. Understandably. I was beyond mortified. Mm-hmm. Uh, tr- tried to give him a tenner and he said, come on, mate. And so I gave him 20. <laughs> well, you didn't <laughs> ask how much he wanted? No. I, well, I gave him a tenner and he was like, that's, he basically was insinuated, that's not enough for this ask. charade. You can't, you can't. But I only had 20 quid on me anyway. <laughs> gotta ask how much all right you gotta be like all right sorry drags you here emergency how much do you need and then they're like a hundred and you're like all right i'll pay <laughs> well no i only had 20 quid on me so <laughs> he got those 20 quid i did that really awful thing of when you're so embarrassed and it's it's silent because he's clearly just yep. running mentally through his head as as to be like what the why on earth has this guy called me out for yep. for this? Yep, yep, yep. And I just filled the air with talking nonsense because I was embarrassed and, and nervous. And then he uh, left, clearly uh, very, very frustrated and, uh, and did annoyed. Say, did you tell him you'd buy him a bottle of wine the next time you saw him? <laughs> and then, like, well, delete his number? <laughs> well, I, I did the latter. I deleted his number. I said, I cannot ever phone him to come back here again. Ever. I need to find a new boiler guy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite understand how you... How you actually have a boiler guy, but also do not know 
your boiler button. Well, that seems like the first thing you learn is boiler button. The next thing you learn is boiler guy. The, the funny thing is, I, on the Thursday night, was telling myself repeatedly, make sure this is not something really stupid. Make sure it's not something really obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turned out it was an on-off button. Yeah. I genuinely have no idea how it happened. I think perhaps there was a power cut, like, very briefly whilst I was out. That's the only, only explanation I have for why it went off. And then, I take back my earlier statement that the year had started well. It started decently. Two new skills and a... (laughs) Massive amount of embarrassment. Right, right. So it's... It's only upwards from here. Or downhill? Upwards? I can't, I don't I'll, tell know. You what, I'll tell you what, my year doesn't get better than how it started. Uh, okay. We've made it, because for, for for bringing the new year in, me, Annie, and other Discordy people uh, watched the Lord of the Rings Fellowship extended, and the new year came in with the credits. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't get better, and that's it. Did you actually time that? Well, th- we, we, we started it so it would be done before the new year, and it was done like okay, five minutes okay. before. And that was, we did well. I, I did see uh, various tweets telling people to, you know, how the best way to bring in the new year. One of which was, yeah. you know, start Avengers Endgame oh, at 9.30. And by the time the midnight comes along, you'll still have another hour to go. <laughs> which, I, which I thought was good. I don't like the ones where people like record themselves watching a film to bring in the new year and you've got like the recording of the film with a recording of a timer. Do people do that? And then they're like, look, I brought in the new year when the Death Star exploded. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't. You brought in the new year watching a phone, watching a watching a clock, watching a Death Star explode. There's a difference. Recording, if you're you gonna do you're going to do it. one of those like really fancy timing the new year with some event in media... Don't bother recording it. Just enjoy it. Like, who, who's watching that stuff and be like, wow, what a what a great night you had. People love it. People people love that stuff. Like, whoa, I can't believe you did it. It's every year, the pe- same people do the same things. It's always a Death Star Why? exploding. And they always record a f- clock and a, and a screen. And it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't watch it then. You were watching a clock and a screen. And you were and you were doing it fully aware you're being recorded so people can see your joyous reaction who can then watch it at another time exactly performative nonsense bring in the new year in genuine ways please yeah I, I wield my influencer powers and I I ban this practice do it genuinely like when you live stream a program and don't realise it's late <laughs> that's genuine yeah that's authentic <laughs> you sit in a discord call uh, having watched a film and then suddenly it's midnight <laughs> absolutely okay right well this has gone on long enough let's uh, start the show proper it's seesaw parade everybody the <laughs> yeah, first one cut that did two minutes <laughs> yeah actually uh listener we talked for 40 minutes that's uh that's what left that's what's left this is your new favorite <laughs> podcast it's the first episode of 2022 yes. but it is unbelievably it's the first episode brand new podcast <laughs> unbelievably welcome episode 274 which does mean james it's a very weird number to start it with. is i would have liked 275 but hey we could, maybe we could just like skip it and pretend we deleted two seven four. Anyway, <laughs> we are going to hit episode three hundred, probably around summertime. So that's fun. Wow, yeah, that's a that's a big number for us. And that is a number. I am Colin, and he is James. Yeah, still here. Thanks. Confirmed. And this is the longest running, seeing as it is now a new year. The longest running uh-huh. Scottish entertainment slash politics slash news slash yes. Novak Djokovic podcast <laughs> in existence. Wow. And, and we are officially less popular than Novak Djokovic. 
which after this week, I am, you know, genuinely, that's a toss-up. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think he's got some cult following, Colin. I think he does have a cult. He, he, yeah, his brother and his mum don't count. <laughs> that's, that's not, I mean, if that counts, then my mum has a cult following on all of her children. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Do you know the worst thing? I know we've said this before. Right. Is when you post something. I post something on Facebook. I very rarely do. Oh, the f- I posted okay. my one second a day of 2021, which you are in, by the way. Oh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know if you I saw watched it. That. Oh, did you? I've watched that. Oh. I, mean, I got. I snuck in. I snuck in. Does, did I send it to you? No. Oh, okay. You must. I'm uh, just. I'm just good like that. Nice. Oh, anyway, I, I posted it on Facebook, and of course, of course, the first comment, the first like, is from my mum, mm-hmm. the 60 year old mother. <laughs> I'm just like you're you're killing the vibe here. <laughs> what what a lovely close friend you have in so many of these <laughs> what seconds. Uh anyway, this is uh yeah. I, I've lost the train of thought, but let's just start the show, eh? Let's talk about <laughs> Boris and the fact that yeah. once again there's been more wow. lockdown breaches and people are mad, but nothing will happen. Can't believe it. The police are saying that they are hearing about it. Okay, James, this is the news that as many as 100 people were invited (laughs) to a Bring Your Own Booze Drinks event in the Downing Street Garden during the first lockdown. Socially distanced, though. Okay, right. (laughs) And like 100 is really near six or whatever was allowed. Legally, the BBC have been told, and ITV News have a screenshot of an email, yeah, uh, which was sent out by, I believe, a senior aide who told uh, essentially a yeah, hundred people to come along to this gathering, which Boris Johnson and his wife were there. They were there. There were around uh, 30 people apparently who attended the gathering on the 20th of May 2020. Uh, Boris is yet to say he, if he was there, but witnesses have said he was. Yeah, but I, I'm amazed. They sent emails out to 100 people tied to the Conservative Party and only 30 of them were stupid enough to go. That seems low. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, as you've uh, noted earlier there, the Metropolitan Police said it was in contact with the government over <laughs> widespread reporting relating to alleged breaches of COVID yeah. rules. Because as you oh, say, James... That means nothing. As you say, the rules at the time were... Essentially, you were allowed to go for a jog and you could sit oh, six feet it? apart from one other household. That was it. That was all you were allowed. It was a household. That was the time. My goodness. Yeah. But like, what's this stupid Met statement? Like, we're hearing a lot of reports and we're talking to the government about it. It's like, right, are you just telling them that you're hearing lots of reports or are you actually giving them a talking to? Like, it's, it's what level is this? It's the kind of talk which says... Um, See all these leaks you have of people yeah. telling us that you did crimes? Can you please yeah. stop? Please. You're just like not, just not. You're making our job of ignoring you very, very difficult. We will continue <laughs> to do it no matter how, how, how hard it gets, but we'd appreciate it if you made it easier. But the, the crimes are historic, James. And as we know, the Met Police do not investigate historic crimes. No. No, especially not for the Conservatives. They have to be caught right as they happen yeah, 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 yeah. otherwise they just don't bother yeah it, much like uh, every other country in the world we've got rules that every law has like a, a date attached to it or is how long you have to get away with it before you're scot-free and it's like maximum two two to six months okay so th- this is uh in the wake of as we discussed in the latter episodes of 2021 lots of lockdown breaches which uh, happened and were revealed and videos were 
leaked and all sorts. And that had kind of died down over the mince pie and mistletoe season. Over the, the knees up season. Right. When the, the virus just decided to take 12 days of Christmas off. Has a break. And this now has happened, which, again, I find the timing really interesting. But the response has been as somewhat expected, a mix of condemnation and a mix of people saying, well, we don't know the details yet, so we can't come to conclusions yet. (laughs) The investigations have not come to an end, and therefore we cannot actually think about it at all. Right, right. Legally, unless it was a a different... Like, maybe if the Labour Party did it, we'd be allowed to think about it and speculate, but it's the Conservatives. (laughs) We mustn't speculate. Yeah, so uh, the Health Minister, Ed Arger, has uh, said he understands how angry, how sad and upset many people will (laughs) feel, but that it was important to allow the investigation to take place before coming to a conclusion. Although we have had Ruth Davidson come out and said... um, who said, I can't understand why the PM attended and why on earth he thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Which is is fair. But, I mean, she's got a cushy peer job, so she's not got any yeah. fear of recriminations. But like, it, it is just the absolute truth of it. it. Like, we don't need to stop talking about a thing just because there's an investigation going on as well. Because ours talking about it doesn't affect an investigation. But then also, when it's a basic fact, like, hello, Mr. Prime Minister. Were you at the gathering? And then he is like, and he said like, no. Um, but nobody understood him because he can't talk. Um, yeah, we can understand that he's lying, and then go, all right, what do we do about this? Because obviously he was there. Obviously he he bre- he breached many rules several times, and not just these kinds of rules, but we can stick to the to the lockdown rules if we want to, and. We don't. We don't need the police to tell us <laughs> that he did it. Yeah. We, we. There are other avenues of investigation, including talking to people in in government in the house, which I think okay. the Labour Party are going to try to do. So the probably not to great success. The email invitation was sent out from the Prime Minister's principal private secretary, Martin Reynolds. Yeah, probably talking on behalf of not the Prime Minister, though, right? Oh, of course. Of yeah, course, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The subject line was, as you mentioned earlier, socially distant drinks. <laughs> uh, official sensitive number 10 only. <laughs> Super secret. And uh, in this email, it does say, basically, make the most of the lovely weather, have some socially distanced drinks in the number 10 garden. And uh, like what on earth? Y- yeah, and some of the responses have been, to this email, as you say, James, some of the responses were, uh, is this for real? Or someone, well, yeah, yeah, like s- saying, "Why is why is Mr. Reynolds encouraging a mass gathering in the garden?" Yes. So some people clearly were still had their wits about them and well, thought, yeah. "Hold on a second, maybe this is a bit wrong." Yeah, we did. We noted that only thirty people arrived out of a hundred that got the invite. Probably more people reached by the invite than the hundred that were sent, and only thirty arrived. So, so surely amongst that that turnover, there are smart enough people to be like, "Well, this is really stupid," and they said that, and that's great. <laughs> But why didn't they like report it or anything? They're just they're they're just lazy and bad. <laughs> on the same day, sorry, in this article, which is very serendipitously, oh no, uh, included a link to the Metropolitan Police Twitter. <laughs> on the same day, the Met Police tweeted, saying, "Oh yeah, <laughs> have you been enjoying the hottest day of the year so far? You can relax, have a picnic, exercise, or play sport as long as you <laughs> but are don't have any mates on your own." Or <laughs> with people you live with, or just you and one other person. And on the same day as the gathering, the then Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden oh, no. confirmed another 363 people 
had died uh, yeah. with COVID in the last day. So it is. It's it's like brain dissolvey maths going on here. Now, how on earth is the party in charge of the nation and the people in charge of that party getting away with it, but also doing it in the first place? How are they so stupid? Yeah. To like actually arrange it, email it rather than just like whisper it in people's ears so it can't be traced, and then and then hold the thing, and then still be somehow smart enough to actually win elections and stuff like that. I don't get it. Neither do I. Following on from that is about Boris's position and also how this has been leaked. It looks like this actually stemmed from another Dominic Cummings blog, which was later chased up and confirmed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Mr. Cu- Mr. Cummings. Uh, Looks as if he was the source here. Yeah. Again, just just because he is attempting to turn from from the bad guy to the good guy. Oh yeah, he's just wanting to show that he still wields power and therefore is still useful to whatever party wants to hire him, so he can have more power, so he can still like get free things and make good connections, and also like yeah. pay less tax and stuff like that conveniently. Okay, so what about Boris's position? Is is now uh, a time where he goes? I I because surely this is untenable. I mean. It, but he has been for ages. It's just That's he's always true. at the party just covering it all for him. But I guess less of the party is on his side now, but I don't think it's enough yet. I'm not sure he's out quite yet. We did say before the end of the year that maybe like a few months into this year, we'd see a challenge, a leadership challenge of some kind, or maybe like a, a complete Boris out eviction. But I think the timeline stands. I think I don't think this is I don't think this specific story changes that and they still will want to hold on to Boris for as long as they can so they can pin all of the failures on Boris. Because if they get him out now and then coronavirus continues to be a bit of a hassle for a while, it taints the next PM as well. And then they they've I think they've only got like one name left in the party that they like. So that would be the last one. Yeah. And that would be bad. So we got Boris for the time being, I think. And all his prime ministerial hullabaloo attributes. So we have talked about this briefly in the past, but I think Labour will yet call for his resignation because they realise as long as he's there, no point. Things are good for them, yeah. and the longer he stays, the better. That being said, yeah, there will be a lot of people pushing for them to call on the prime minister to resign because of all these terrible things he's done. They don't want to hold off so long that they look weak. Yeah, right. The morally right thing to do is to call for him to resign, but yes, to, to get their chances of actually taking power off the country, the world of good. They should wait. So yeah. that, that you know, it's a tricky one. Well, they've learned their lesson from the latter years of Corbyn, where in like, even if you look like you've got a strong position, there's no point trying to bring down the government because the media will just back the government again. As soon as as soon as you become the bad guy rather than just the quiet opposition, they will switch and they will put whatever label they need. So they'll start calling. Sir Keir Starmer and Knight again to make sure that everybody doesn't feel like they're associated with them and all those little tricks that they pull. Um, so I think Labour do want to just keep quiet, try not to make a mess because they, they don't want to have the system turn on them until they know for sure that they've got the backing of the system, similar to how Tony Blair did. Okay, let's uh, move on. Let's talk about the other big story of the week, which I referenced earlier. That was Mr. Novak Djokovic, oh, who has no. been embroiled in an immigration fiasco yes. down under. 
ahead of the Australian Open, the first big tennis tournament of the year. So the Serbian player arrived, I believe, on Friday. Having given, having been given a visa with a exemption. Have, yeah, by two separate bodies, including Tennis Australia and the Victorian state government. Yes. Saying he could, he could come to the country despite being unvaccinated and, and being very and clearly... And not just unvaccinated. Right, very clearly against being vaccinated. Yeah. So he arrived in Melbourne and border or immigration officials said no. And so instead of letting him in, he was taken to a uh, detention hotel, mm-hmm. which uh, he was then, uh, him and his family were very upset about because it was horrible and with fleas and small and cramped. Yeah. And it turned out this was a hotel that um, refugees would go for. But yeah, it's normally to. used for the poors, so nobody cares. Right. But Djokovic has been in it for a couple of nights, so like, of course, <laughs> they have to care about him. But he's back out of it again, so nobody can care again. It's fine. Back to fleas and poors. After a weekend in said hotel... There was a court hearing on the Monday in which a judge then reinstated his visa, which had been uh, revoked. And that meant that uh, as of just now, which is uh, lunchtime Tuesday, he is due to play in the Australian Open. But the latest is the border officials are now investigating whether his travel entry form included a lie. Yeah, yeah. And the lie, or in here, a false declaration, is that... He had stated he had not travelled in the two weeks before his arrival on January 6th. And this is despite the fact that on his Instagram and Twitter, it appears to show him in both Spain and Serbia during those two prior weeks. Are you kidding? I didn't know that. Are you kidding? That is the latest. And also the, the news that the Australian... Immigration minister still has the powers to re-cancel his visa and deport him yeah. if he feels he is a harm to the health and good of the Australian people. Yeah, so, so there are higher-ups that can just, like, make a decision right. without any any backing at all. They don't need a reason. They could just be like, actually, no. Which, in Djokovic's case, I would I would side with, but in most cases, I think it's a bit of a weird breach of, like, yeah. human rights. <laughs> So I'm just being selfish in this count. I I don't like it. So just to add some more detail before we start asking some questions here. He was released from said hotel on Monday. Yeah. Posted a picture with him and his team, uh, including the former Wimbledon winner Goran Ivanisevic, who's his coach, uh, on the court at the tennis court, I should say, <laughs> yeah. at the uh, Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne. Uh, the tournament itself uh, begins next Monday. And right. if Djokovic wins... He becomes the most successful tennis player in men's history. Wow, yeah. So there's that to remember. And then uh, here as well, it's noted that the Serbian Prime Minister, uh, Anna Brnabic, and the Australian PM, Scott Morrison, spoke in a call on Monday, and neither would confirm if Mr. Djokovic's visa had been discussed. Which oh, I'm sure yeah. it was. I'm sure, they, I'm sure they hadn't discussed that. Yeah. <laughs> they just happened to call. The reason that... His uh, Djokovic's visa was reinstated on Monday. And here's the other uh, wrinkle. Uh, yeah, the yeah. reason it was reinstated was basically on a technicality because the judge ruled that officials uh, at the border had not given him enough time to respond yeah. at the airport. <laughs> yeah, but they, yeah, they gave him like 20 minutes at 4 a.m. Which constituted an unfair process, yeah. uh, according to the judge. 
And so the court didn't actually make any ruling on whether his reason for a medical exemption uh, from entering Australia was actually valid. Because his reason that he gave was, I had COVID in December, therefore... I'm fine. So, James, with all that said, and this right. undoubtedly will have changed by the time we upload the episode. Indeed. What's your overall thoughts on this entire right. debacle? Because I certainly have my own view. Overall thoughts. Uh, Australian system has been proven to be ineffective in several ways. One, someone like Djokovic, who is clearly not telling entire truths and also taking an unhealthy stance on things like vaccines, being granted an exemption when I doubt anyone else would, of of lower stature would be granted uh, a similar exemption is mad. They shouldn't be granting exemptions just to the big cases and just to the celebrities. If he can get away with it, why can't everyone else? So that just weakens everybody's stance or weakens everybody's position when it comes to actually having effective vaccine mandates globally. And that's bad, right? So Australian government bad, but also Australian system bad because Djokovic's case here proves that there are major faults in who holds the power when it comes to granting visas or rescinding visas or how refugees are treated or asylum seekers are treated and stuff like that. And while someone of Djokovic's means gets chucked into a hotel, he's wealthy enough that he could have left anytime he wanted. The only reason he stayed this long is because he believed he could still actually compete rather than he was actually going to lose the case. But he could have walked out of the hotel, flown home, easy peasy. Yeah. Everybody else that's in the system that's been stopped at the border or has uh, been put into one of these hotels, they don't have that option. They don't have the money to afford the travel. They don't have the safe place to be returned to if they can't afford the travel. So they're just stuck in these like horrible places for years and years and years. So uh, again, this is a, the positive side of what's happened is that it has shown everybody the plight of those unfortunate individuals. And the steps need to be taken to make sure that that this unfair system is more fair. And that reflects across like the world as well, because the UK system is barely any different. Other other systems are barely different as well. So so if Djokovic can't get away with it, what on earth are all these like really unfortunate asylum seekers or refugees supposed to do, right? But then biggest idiot in the room, Djokovic, yeah, I, I, I do not understand how you can be peak fitness, one of the best athletes in the world, and have his opinions on the body and on medicine and things like that and just get away with it. Now, I understand that basically every single top sportsman is also very much diplomatically trained and they can navigate the courts very well, which he has done. He has navigated the courts very well, and he's put up with some pretty annoying interviews and stuff. I've read the transcripts of some of the things, and he is being very patient because he did do what they asked him to, aside from maybe one or two little sneaky lies that I hope he doesn't get away with. Um, But I don't understand how you can have anti-vax stances, or you can say things like, mindfulness can purify water and and just get away with it because you're an athlete and i i guess like he's caught up in his own beliefs because he doesn't have to try hard at his own health when he can afford to have the best doctors and the best 
um, sports yeah, physicians yeah. and stuff like that, propping up his health, even with all of his bad beliefs. But it is, it is bonkers to me that it took this long for people to start going like, well, actually, Djokovic might not be an expert on medicine. We probably shouldn't listen to him on things like the body. Right. And I'm just I'm 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 annoyed that this was that this was possible. He should have never been allowed to compete while he was still anti-vax, unvaccinated, and we're in a world with all sorts of lockdowns. Okay, so a few thoughts from me because I, I yeah, I agree entirely with what you're saying. First of all, th- just an interesting thing I learned this week. He is uh he's vegan. He's he exists entirely in a plant-based diet, but that's by the by. But yeah, yeah, he's also gluten-free and he thinks he can detect gluten by putting putting a slice of bread in his stomach. <laughs> Interesting. On the outside of his stomach. Wow. Okay. Just to be clear. Let's move on. So my thoughts on this are largely in line with yours, but mainly I want to talk about the Australian bureaucratic side of things. So Tennis Australia waved him through. Yeah. They said, yes, we want you here. Let's just ignore all the all the other bad, unhelpful, unhealthy, downright dangerous stuff that you think or post or talk about. Yeah. Then or or have chosen to be unvaccinated. Okay. In a in an evolving virus. And and for example, Rafa Nadal said, "Look, if you want to be unvaccinated, that's fine, but there's consequences." Yeah. Which yeah, entirely right. So then you've got the state Absolutely. of Victoria and their government, who similarly thought, well, you're you're Novak Djokovic. You could make history in our country, in our state, to be the most successful tennis player in your entire history of your sport. Yeah. Of course you can come and play, and we'll just, you know, just ignore all the other nasty stuff. And then the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, as you've said, James, Melbourne, I believe, has the uh, unofficial tagline of the most lockdown city in the world, comes out and says... Well, no, if he's not vaccinated, he can't come through. And then you've got the national government uh, fighting off, well, facing off, I should say, against these two organisations within its own country Yeah. because they've prioritised the status and the power and the money of Novi Djokovic over the rules themselves. Because as you say, it is the people who do not have access to the legal aspect, the financial aspect, or the, you know, even the reputational aspect that Djokovic has. Yeah. And they're the ones who are going to get penalized for stuff that he was just allowed to walk through scot-free. So, yeah. From that side of things, it is completely unsurprising that these bureaucratic organizations just decided, you know what? We'll give you a pass because of who you are. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, let's take a stand here. If you ain't vaccinated, you ain't coming in. Yeah. Which is what their rules, I believe, have largely been. But instead, they turned a blind eye to it. They let him through because of the money, the status, the celebrity, the occasion. And that is wrong. There are legitimate medical exemptions to vaccines. And there are also legal, sometimes religious exemptions to vaccines and things like that. I'm not sure that that's so legitimate. Right. But hey-ho. So, like, there are means to have this happen. So, like, of course, there was the wiggle room there. So Djokovic managed to to wiggle. He shouldn't have been allowed to wiggle because nobody else is allowed to wiggle. And if nobody else is allowed to wiggle, neither should the Djokovic's of the world. Um, so it was obviously political, the, the, the reasons he was allowed to wiggle. And then it was obviously and very expediently political the reasons that he was allowed to, or the reasons his wiggling was ceased 
because it was in a 20-minute decision, basically. Very quickly, after seeing the unpopularity of the exemption decision, uh, I believe there was interested parties trying to put an end to the visit with not the best means, shady means. Um, So giving him the exemption, bad political call, ungiving him, (laughs) taking it away again, poorly executed they should have used the proper channels and proper means not just like put the pressure on some little border agent to come up with some excuse which they clearly couldn't because they couldn't handle basic questions of rebuttal from from Djokovic on the border oh, so like it's a mad mess okay but I, I, it's again it's a, it's a source of learning and it's not just a source of learning about vaccines and mandates and things like that this is a source of learning about the plight of people moving around the world who aren't wealthy have there been any celebrities or sportsmen or anyone who has a medical exemption to the vaccine who has said that they actually want the vaccine and they're just, they just can't get it? Uh, not that I know of. Because it, it's always it's weird to me how all the people who have medical exemptions are also anti-vax. It's kind of like a... Strange, isn't it? Almost like they are actually anti-vax and are just saying they've got a medical exemption. Throwing that out there. <laughs> Okay, James, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, lighter matters, starting with what we've been watching over the last few weeks. And James, we have a listener review. We actually have two, but I'm saving the second one for next week. Whoa. Uh, It is a review of Don't Look Up, which is the star-studded movie, which is on Netflix. That's come from Chris. I've also seen it, but I will play that. Very shortly, James, I have uh, a TV show, and we both have a TV show we finished as well. Yes. Have you uh, anything else to add other than said TV shows? Well, I've watched a couple TV shows and a, and a couple of films. Like I said, I watched Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Extended Edition to bring in the new year. <laughs> nice. But um, I can I can save that for the for following okay. weeks. We can talk more about the this week's ones in more depth, and I'll save that airtime. I want to talk about first of all. Let's let's start with uh, with Hawkeye because we've both seen that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so we briefly talked about this. Uh, it's now yeah. it's the full six episode season uh, finished just before Christmas. It's on Disney Plus if you yep. want to go see it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Jeremy Renner, of course, in the main role, getting some fully fleshed out airtime um, as opposed to the the movies himself. And Haley Steinfeld, who plays Kate Bishop, mm-hmm. and basically they they team up for a holly jolly Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Now, James, I was fully on board with the show, right, for the first five episodes, and by fully on board, I mean yeah, I was watching it, and it was fine. It was fine. It was enjoyable. <laughs> right, but then the sixth episode happened. Yes, <laughs> I have so many questions, uh-huh. and so many things that just did not make sense. Right. And I it completely took me out of the show to the extent that, uh, like, uh, they're, they're going to do a second season. Obviously, they are. Right. But the way in which that final jigsaw piece slotted into place was both disappointing, but also made zero sense Logistically, what were your thoughts? Well, similarly, B- before I get into the detail, like, a, a brief overview is that the first five episodes of the show were good enough TV to be enjoyable, with right. mostly legitimately charming acting and charming character work, which 
I'm saying because it was deliberately a different feel. They aimed for charming and they got charming. I, yeah, I, yeah. The main cast and plenty of the side cast. It was it was good. Yep. And then all of the threads they've been planting through this through the episodes seemed relatively simple. And then in the final episode, they managed to make those simple threads overly complicated, but not actually complicated. They just went. And forgot to tie them all together, I guess. And they went, all right, there's here's some explosions. There's two things I want to draw your attention to in particular. And this is uh, without going into spoilers for anyone who is still watching Hawkeye. Okay. At the end of the sixth episode, there, of course, is a big fight. Yes. And they all have a big fight. There's a few big fights. In one of the busiest areas of <laughs> New York City. Yeah. And for a full 20 the minutes. Are all celebrating Christmas. For a full 20 minutes of this violent, explosion filled carnage of a, of a fight at the bottom of the Rockefeller Center. Yes. There is not a soul to be seen. Not a, not a tourist. Not a person. Not a police officer. <laughs> nobody. And there's full, like, heart to heart conversations. There's people crying. There's you know, people being miniaturized and taken away by owls. I'm not even kidding there. And these things. Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. These no. things just happen. And there was nobody. And you're th- you're, I'm saying they're thinking, where's the police? Why is this show just forgotten that the rest of the world exists? Are they just w- waiting for them to finish? Come on! The first answer, logistically very simple answer, is they had to reduce the total number of people on screen because of COVID. Um, But the second answer, I'm going to meta this for you. I've got your back. Nobody visits New York anymore in the Marvel Universe (laughs) because it's always a center of disaster and the tourism industry has collapsed. And also, (laughs) there are no police anymore because there are so many superheroes there. Okay. Easy peasy. (laughs) I gotcha. <laughs> My second observation, and again, I'm going to go without names here because those people may still be watching it. Sure. There is a conversation at the end of an episode, of, of the final episode. Right. In which one of the characters says to the other, while they are being arrested for murder, mm-hmm. I can't believe you would do this to me on Christmas. I thought... You've just killed, you have murdered somebody, yeah. and you're playing the, I can't believe it's you've done this on Christmas card. What is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I think that's the point, is that the character was legitimately actually a bad person. <laughs> okay. um, so previous moments oh. in the series and previous moments even in the episode were kind of setting up the character as someone who was being manipulated as someone who was just making the best of a really bad situation and trying to leave. But right. that was always a weak cover. It didn't make sense logistically considering the timeline offered to that character. Whereas this moment was supposed to be the big reveal of they're actually just deranged. They were being a bad person all along and they're a narcissist and they think that everything's other people's fault. And their their motives throughout the season and the arc they gave, the plot arc they gave them and the other interactions they had with other people in the, in the show. Just at the end of the episode, the end of the season, you thought none of that makes sense anymore. So I was I think, very, very frustrated by the show. No, I think I buy it all enough. The arcs of the primary characters and the, the most prominent of the secondary characters, I buy it enough to, to live with. Um, the interactions between the, the chiefs of the tracksuit gang, I don't think always make sense, but I buy it enough. Nope. The fact that all of a sudden the tracksuit gang goes from like 
a couple dozen people to I I think several thousand in the finale. <laughs> hey, the other ones were just busy for the rest of the season. I buy it enough. That was the whole uh, thing of the show. It was like it was charming, and there weren't any insanely huge flaws that I couldn't just go. Okay, it's just TV, right? Um, and there are enough characters who were legitimately who are legitimately well-written that I can forgive the other ones. Okay. Um, there is a pretty big reveal of a of a new character all in one episode as well, <laughs> uh, right at the end, and I think that was underwhelming. Yes. I will say, I don't want to spoil who it was, but it was it was very underwhelming. Um, big, big reveal, in, impressive character, very much beloved. Yep. It's in the show for like, as an episode is just completely beaten and then boring. <laughs> Precisely. Okay. But but again, several of the scenes that might not land for the TV um, viewers were references to panels from comics and they stuff were. like that. So there was this little bit of a of a love given to the show. So for a COVID show, I'm giving it a thumbs up. Fair enough. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on to a listener review. This is from Chris, and it was the movie Don't Look Up which I will then yeah. share my own thoughts at the end. Here we go. All right. Hello, Seesaw Parade. Chris here. Huh? Um, Hello. I thought I would give you a review of oh. Don't Look Up. Merry Christmas. I, I'm not really much of a film watcher. I, I watch them very occasionally. But obviously over the festive period, right. I, I watched a, a few. And right. I saw this one. I saw a lot of big names in it. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence... Timothy Chalamet, Meryl Streep, and uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, this has got to be all good. very big names. It really has to be uh, a good movie." Um, <laughs> so I watched it, and it basically tells the story of a team of scientists who uh, locate an uh, asteroid flying towards Earth on its own collision course, and they present their findings to the U.S. government, right. who basically disregard them, don't believe them, mm-hmm. and. I'm not going to spoil it um, to, uh, and let you know what happens, but uh, yeah, that's that's the premise of the story. Right. And I'll be honest, I was thoroughly disappointed by it. I can tell that they are trying to convey a very powerful message through the film. Indeed. And very I guess relevant. It does that to a degree, but I didn't find it very entertaining. Right. Um, unfortunately, and, and I thought with all the big names in there, I thought. You know, this is bound to be a good film. I wouldn't watch it again. Oh, no. I didn't really enjoy it very much. Oh, dear. It was a little bit bleak, <laughs> to say the least. And I think that's what it was intended to be. Probably. But it does mean that um, I won't be watching it again. Oh, no. Okay, bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> the very quick exit there. Stage left. <laughs> loved how much of the disappointment you could hear before the review had even really begun. The disappointment was there from the very beginning. Yeah, and to add to this, because myself and Graham watched Don't Look Up as well, for similar reasons, saw the cast. From Graham's perspective, Ariana Grande's in it, and he's uh, he's a big fan. Right. And to be fair, like to her credit, she she gives it a good shot. She is happy to to make a fool of herself. But the I completely agree with Chris. This movie is two and a half hours long. Really? Which is far too long for essentially a satire and it's from it's from adam mckay who most recently did the big short which i'm a big fan oh, of yeah which is that kind of satirical um deadpan f- breaking the fourth wall 
story of the financial collapse in 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has, as Tris said there, big names, uh, great director, strong track records. Every reason to be good. And it's just not. I mean, both of us, myself and Graham, were long before the movie finished, you're already checking your phone and you're just oh, thinking, no. you know, is there something else to do? Because it's dull. It's it's dull and it's not funny, even oh, r- remotely. The only thing, the only thing I took from it as a, as a positive or no, a positive, uh, something worth discussing, which I've seen a lot of people do in articles for The Guardian, <laughs> is the message the film is portraying, which is essentially climate change. The world is going to die unless we do something right. and nobody pays attention. Yeah. And that's the message of the movie. A very Leo message. Right. To, to the, it is. Uh, I mean, DiCaprio is trying to save the world for his future girlfriend, so that's fine. The main message of the movie... <laughs> future, future girlfriends, generations, synonyms, you know. ...is the fact that they go to the government, they go to the media, and, and they go to audiences, and people are more, right, right, right. Are more uh, concerned or more interested in the character of Ariana Grande's on-off engagement right. rather than the end of the world. And that, to me, was a good example of what the movie was attempting to to do, which was, here's this terrible, real thing which is happening. The world is going to die. You are all going to die unless we act now and nobody does anything, which would should not have taken two and a half hours to, to tell, but it did. And it was boring and it wasn't funny. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I I had pretty high hopes for it when I saw So did I. When I saw it. But here even just hearing the the run the runtime there, it it's I don't I do I don't see how they how they could stretch the premise into that much yeah. of a of a film. So Okay, moving swiftly on. Thank you very much for that, Chris. And if any of you, dear listener, have finished a movie, a TV show, perhaps you watched a play by yourself, socially distanced, or maybe you just had a good post-New Year sandwich, you can review it. Ceaseoperate at gmail.com. Send it to us. Audio form is great, but written form will do. And we will play another listener review next week. So thank you very much. Let me talk about Succession. Season 3, which is on Now TV. Right. I uh, signed up for a three-month subscription for a pound, which is Mm -hmm. very tasty. Thank you, Now TV. You're probably hemorrhaging money at this point, but it's fine. Who knows? So, Succession, if you are yet to get into it, is the foul-mouthed HBO family-centric Murdoch satire, uh, which replaced... Game of Thrones, basically, as the big behemoth <laughs> to win all the awards. And yeah. it has won all the awards. It's got the likes of Brian Cox, Scottish old dude who's very, very good at acting, <laughs> as well as the likes of Jeremy Strong, Kieran Culkin, yeah, Sarah yeah. Snook. And then in this season, lots of high-profile guest stars like Adrian Brody oh. and Alexander Skarsgård. All right. It's, so it's, they really are upping the ante here. Now, this show is not one to watch with your mum and dad, for a start. Okay. And uh, this third season, again, will sweep the board when it comes to award season. Because, my goodness, it is just another season full of some of the sharpest writing, uh, dialogue, character building I've ever seen in a TV show. It, It tells the story of three siblings who are competing for... Uh, as the title may suggest, the heir to the throne of uh, their father's company. 
And the dynamics between each of the characters, particularly the siblings, as they attempt to one-up each other, it's a dark comedy in, in many ways, or maybe a black comedy in yeah, many ways. right. In that the way that the characters uh, act, the things they do, and in some cases just the unbelievable things they say, uh, it's, it's like so bad it's funny, like so horrendous that these people exist in the real world, you can't help but laugh. Right. And seeing yeah, the yeah, ways yeah. that uh, essentially they all try and outmaneuver one another, and particularly Brian Cox, who is the, the patriarch of the family, the way he treats his, his children, they're all horrible, horrible people, but you still root for them. You still want them to, to do well. You want to see them clash and things to go wrong and right, who's going to come out right, on top. Right. So yeah. the main, and the, as uh, Succession does, it ends on a glorious cliffhanger, which it's very, very good at doing. The only issue I have with this show is that everything from the... It's only nine episodes long. Mm-hmm. Everything at the end of each episode feels like a huge deal. It feels like, oh, if this goes wrong, it's the end. Oh, yeah, but then it doesn't. And then, and then they go to the next episode and it's resolved yeah. and they move on. Yeah, I mean, it's how <laughs> so, TV has to work, right? <laughs> uh, right, and suddenly you're thinking... Yeah, you see the formula. Right, it's, this is going to make or break the, the family. This is going to make or break the company. And then it's just not referenced again. Or if it's referenced, right. it's in a two-minute conversation in some episode further down the line uh, and you never see that character again. Oh, dear. So oh. there was some element in this third season, and I haven't noticed it before, there was an element in this third season where it did feel like they were building up these big stakes every single episode, and then it, it just fizzled out. So right. that was... I noticed it this this time, and it was a little disappointing after I noticed, hey, what about what about that thing at the start of the, the show? What about that thing? What about that thing? And it, 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 they just never go back to it. Is there going to be more show, or is this it? So I believe they have announced a season four. I should also give credit to the writer jesse armstrong Mm -hmm. who is a british writer who's done a whole host of stuff he is he's always given credit in the uh the emmy award and golden globe award winning speeches because he's the he's the genius behind all this i believe he said there will be a season four and that will be it okay because he doesn't want to just ring it for all it's worth yeah maybe all of those hooks are gonna be the uh, resolved in the final season right so it's a pretty low percentage chance, but I'm rooting for you. If you are looking for... Now, this isn't a show you just put on in the background. This is a show that you full-on brain on have to pay attention to. I think it's it's one of my favourite shows of the last 10 years, easily. Nice. And I, I would recommend it, but it's not going to be for everybody because it is very sweary. It's shot in a very... Mm-hmm. Almost like The Office-esque way. So, for example, okay. some someone says something and then there's like a crash zoom into their face to see their reaction. Right, 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 right. It's that style of, of, of filming. There's no laugh track or anything, but it's darkly funny. Right. But also these people are scumbags. They're all terrible. But you still want to root for them. I mean, that's what we like, though. It's just like bad people doing not good things. But we... Uh, we we enjoy the not good things so much that we want more not good things. That's, that, is cl- that is very modern TV. So I'm looking forward to a season four, but I think that's probably where they should end it. Right. Okay, James, anything else you want to talk about before we move on? Because time is ticking away. Nah, I, will, I will keep my reviews for filler in the future. Nice. Okay, well, let's move on then. Nice. To, I'm going to start, first of all, with the Golden Globes before we talk about Liam Neeson. Right. Oh, great. And this was the, uh, the much maligned awards ceremony. Uh, which uh, was 
held on Sunday past. I didn't even notice. Uh, a dramatically pared down event. It took place without any celebrities in attendance. It wasn't even televised. And uh, the, the muted nature of the event is after allegations of corruption. I mean, yeah. And a total lack of diversity in its voting body. So there was no red carpet. There was no official press access. They actually just announced the winners on a website. Yeah. So good on them. Yep. Disappear into the void. However, they were still they are still seen as like a not quite a harbinger, but they're seen as essentially here's what the Oscars are going to the prophet, go to. The soothsayer. Uh, so the seer. West Side Story, which is the Crystal uh, Globe. Steven Spielberg's remake of the nineteen sixty one classic, won uh, best musical or comedy. There was kinda, a couple of boring. acting prizes for its female leads. Oh, okay. uh, and then we had The Power of the Dog, which I reviewed a couple of uh, weeks ago. Yes. Winning Best Drama. As I, I suspect it will do very well in the Oscars, Jane Campion uh, won Best Director, and Cody Smith-McPhee, okay, okay. Best Supporting Actor. We had Will Smith All right. for King Richard winning Best Actor. I also reviewed that recently. He's very, very good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicole Kidman won her fifth Best Actress Ooh. for portraying Lucille Ball in Aaron Sorkin's new movie, Being the Ricardos, which was out in cinemas about a month ago, and I thought it looked incredibly dull. But uh, she apparently did the acting well. Yep, good acting. <laughs> and uh, as I've just discussed, Succession was the big winner in uh, TV, taking home right, right, three right. prizes, including Best Drama and right. uh, Best Actor for Jeremy Strong okay. and Sarah Snook, who won uh, Best Supporting Actress. So this is, as we've you, you've mentioned there, James, what the ceremony needed following all the furore, and frankly, I don't think many of the actors even wanted to be there anyway. It's seen as the kind well, of yeah, joke yeah. ceremony before the the real thing gets uh, gets kicked off. However, it is still this, you know, award season's here. No, they they found their spot. They're the they're the 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 bringer of the awards. <laughs> um, now, like, yeah, maybe they'll do a complete like rebrand rework over the next decade to try and become relevant in a positive way again but yeah you could you can, you can see in the responses that many of the winners uh gave that they don't really want to care very much they're they're, they're expressing thanks and expressing yeah, yeah you guys still need to actually sort yourselves out please okay let's uh, move on i want to talk about a trailer james this is a new trailer for black lights which is yeah a liam neeson thriller now dear listener if you are have you got a laptop handy? YouTube handy? Go on YouTube and watch this trailer and then return to the show. Yeah. Here's a clip. Grandpa! Gabe, I've been thinking. Maybe it's time I hang it up. No. Travis, not enough. I know I wasn't a great father, but I'd like to be the best grandfather I can be. Natalie doesn't need a fixer like you. How many more would have to die for you to stop looking the other way? need to come clean, Gabe. You're confused about our relationship. You are my weapon. You work for me. James, I remember discussing a story with you about Liam Neeson saying he was done with Taken-esque movies. No more action films. Because at the uh, in his late 60s, he figured, I'm probably past it now. And I've probably done about 20 of these. I'm done. Yeah. But here yes. is another one. Yeah. Blacklight. Indeed. In which... He does the same thing. Yeah. Any thoughts? At least they've acknowledged that he's a bit older. 
He's granddad now. Uh, you know, he's granddad. He stepped up a generation for this action film. Um, it looks awful. <laughs> in like incredibly bad it it genuinely looks bad they couldn't make the action trailer look good which is 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 surprising because usually these low quality action films they work the trailer at least the trailer comes out looking like an action film right looking like it's got drive looking like it's got purpose but this one's just like the whole film but bad. <laughs> I mean, it, and that's it. It fails every test of our of our trailer uh, exam, which is: does this trailer show us the whole movie? Yes, absolutely. Yes, it does. <laughs> do I have any interest in seeing this movie now? No, mm, no. no, I do not. No, but also it's no. the fact that that Liam Neeson did say he was done, and now he's back doing the same stuff. He's back in action. You gotta assume it's big money. You got to assume he got offered big money. He needed big money. Um, and hopefully he enjoyed the production. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do we get out of a film like this? I hope it makes enough money that it covers the costs of a more artistic and risky endeavor for someone. And we get a good film out of the profits that this one makes. James, some. Let's try that again. James, some quick fire movies. Movies? No. James, some quick fire stories. Yes. To finish off the episode. Okay. Let's start with COVID and Omicron. This is the news that uh, COVID restrictions in place across Scotland are helping to reduce the spread of the variants. That's according to. Uh, the government advisor, Professor Jason Leach. Yep. And uh, the First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, in the next 20 minutes or so, is going to give us an update on the current restrictions in Scotland with the rumoured change mm-hmm. as of Monday being that outdoor events, i.e. football and rugby matches, uh, will be allowed to take place with capacity crowds once again. Yes. Yes. After uh, that was limited to 500 people, it means that football fans will be back outdoor in stadiums uh, when the winter break ends next week. But it seems, though, James, like everything else may still be as it currently yeah, is. It kind it kind of makes sense. It like I get it. You you want to start with the outdoor stuff first because just being outside default makes it a safer thing to do in terms of infectiousness. Right. Um and it all makes sense just looking at the fact that we've got restrictions, England doesn't. It hasn't seemed to make any much of a difference, not really. We did have a much worse initial infection rate, so our restrictions helped curb that back down to similar levels to England. So it would make sense at this point to not feel like we need to keep all the same restrictions. I am glad there are going to be some. I do think England should have been introduced to them as well by now. And we got to keep the hospitals at not max capacity, especially since they are still all underfunded, several years into a pandemic. But I'm glad Omicron isn't as big a disaster as it might have been. So that that seems to be where we are. We'll talk about England's lack of restrictions in just a second. But from everything I've seen, if you're outdoors, the chances of getting infected are basically zero because of how well, much... Re- yeah, significantly reduced. Uh, right, of, of how much just air there is <laughs> and uh, how how small the percentage your own your own oxygen uh, CO2 output has Wear your mask. In, the, in, the, in the sky. Wear your mask, get your vaccine, <laughs> go outside, you should be fine. 
Um, but it's all should be, and it's all probably. So you could still be the unlucky one of who course. gets really bad COVID. Right. So that being that being said, I do understand it because the risk is is lower, and fair enough. So when it comes to the indoor stuff, again, we are yet to be at a stage where, in terms of the amount of cases we're seeing, it's roughly oh twelve, fifteen thousand a day at this point in Scotland. It's big numbers. That you know, yeah, people are still going to end up with long COVID. People are still going to die until. Yeah. Until booster levels get to a point where that starts leveling off, and I, from things I've read, that's still a few weeks away. Yeah, Ho- like hospital hospitalizations are going up, and uh, I believe as of yesterday, Scotland's uh, the people in in ICUs across Scotland is at its highest level since last February. So it it, it is still a significant number of people. Yeah. So. It- Things are not good. Compare that to England, yeah, where they've just decided to essentially abandon ship, as far as I can tell. So it seems. There are no yeah. restrictions really anywhere, other than masks uh, should be worn in public transport. And certainly in the short term, some school pupils are being asked to, to wear masks as well. But in terms of uh, events, yeah. who you can meet up with, all that stuff, Boris just said, um, uh, no, no, it's fine. Do what you like. And as we've discussed before, I believe that is a face-saving move as opposed to a yes. life-saving yes. move. I, I would agree that the most likely thing is that he just doesn't think he has the power to actually effectively introduce restrictions without losing what is left of his support. Uh, well, what is left of his support that is wavering. His 30-ish percent of cultish believers in the conservatives aren't going to waver. He doesn't want to lose the extra 2% that might not like some more restrictions. Yeah, so so just to quote the Prime Minister, he said that he hoped England could ride out the current wave of COVID without any restrictions. Yeah. He acknowledged that parts of the NHS would be temporarily overwhelmed. <laughs> so you'll be overwhelmed, but just for a short time, it's fine. Yeah, it's alright to overwhelm <laughs> the NHS. It's, it's okay if it's short. They'll figure it out. NHS... It's not that important. And uh, he then said there's a good chance there wouldn't be any fresh measures imposed. And uh, also in terms of testing as well, uh, self-isolation was reduced, first of all, from 10 days to seven. Yeah. The discussion now is that it would be reduced to five days. And yeah, I believe PCR tests, I'm just looking for the link now. Yeah, PCR tests are to end in England. So people without any symptoms no longer need uh, a PCR test to confirm a positive lateral flow. So, and even lateral flow tests in England are no, no longer going to be free. Yeah. So <laughs> the more I read of this, it's just like, hey, you know what, we tried. It's been two years. Let's just, yeah, let's it just go. Yeah, feel a little bit like it's just a complete wind down. Like, hey, all right, we made it. So <laughs> why? Why? They just don't have the influence anymore. I I think you are right that it is just a lack of an ability to do things. And they don't think that the population believes in restrictions or in testing enough. But I don't trust it. I don't even trust the reduction of the of the uh, like self-isolation stuff. Right. They're just doing that to tackle the thing we spoke about. We spoke about how if you let the virus run rampant, everyone gets infected, everyone has to isolate. It's basically a prolonged lockdown as you watch half the workforce go into isolation over the course of a month. So to kind of reduce that effect, they're making the isolation a bit shorter. But it's not for scientific reasons. I think the World Health Organization or some significant organization has said that we can reduce the isolation periods. But 
I have seen what countries are doing it and what countries aren't. And I, I trust the ones that aren't. <laughs> so, hey, uh, it's, it's, it's risky. I, I feel really bad. I genuinely, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing where I'm amazed at how bad the situation yeah. is. So I, I, everything feels doomed and there's this kind of element of humor to it. But there isn't any humor in all the people who are going to get long COVID or who are going to get into the ICU or even into hospital for things like this. Or everybody who's not going to get a hospital bed because they've all been taken up by coronavirus patients. That's not a joke. But England are kind of making it a joke. And I really hope that we don't follow in their footsteps. Okay, let's uh, go for one more UK-based story before we head overseas. Uh, This is uh, the news today that one of Britain's largest energy suppliers has apologised after it told customers that to stay warm, they should cuddle their pets and eat porridge. Yep. So Ovo Energy said it was embarrassed. Yep. After they posted a link to its uh, SSE customers, it's mad. Uh, in which a, a blog or an article said that rather than turning on your heating, you should essentially hold on to your pet. Yeah. And they will keep you warm instead. Yeah. They also suggested uh, that you keep moving by cleaning the house, challenging the kids to a hula hoop contest, oh dear. or doing a few star jumps. Wow. Ovo have since apologized I mean, yeah. for uh, their insensitive advice. Right, but this is only one of the times that a company sends out insensitive advice. I'm glad they actually got called up on it and actually have to apologize because we get this kind of stuff from from like the banks all the time. Where it's like, your savings need to be like bigger. Don't buy coffee. It's like, right, how about you actually just reform and give us all a sustainable uh, economy? <laughs> right, so it's the same with the heating. It's like... Wow, the economic model for providing heat to all these homes doesn't work for you or for us. That's a you problem, customer. <laughs> it's like, nope, it clearly isn't right, everyone right. problem. And we need major reform not to eat porridge instead of cereal. Because we all know that milk is cold when it comes out the fridge and hot when you heat it up. Uh, but it, it's, 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 this is, for me, something that you see in a lot of industry and a lot of sectors of uh, of just well in a lot of ways of how we have to survive we are forced to survive with a bunch of companies who do not care about us only care about profit can't actually be profitable because of the current system that we live in and therefore try to make us carry that burden by making small changes to our lives that oftentimes we can't make Okay, let's uh, move on. A couple more stories to go. The funeral mass for the South African anti-apartheid campaigner Archbishop Desmond Tutu has taken place in Cape Town. So the 90-year-old died on Sunday. Uh, He was given a... a, Rather, he he insisted that there should be no lavish spending on the funeral and instead he wanted the cheapest available coffin so essentially, he was uh, he was in state for a couple of days at St George's Cathedral in uh, a wooden coffin, and uh, he was then essentially yes given given the sort of farewell that you would save for the heroes of any any country seen across the world. But Tutu himself yeah. uh, essentially helped end the racist regime in South Africa, and uh, in his eulogy, the president Ramaphosa described Tutu as the spiritual father yeah. of our new. South Africa. So, yeah, this is a a, a, a big loss 
both for South Africa, but the world as well. He was well, uh, quite a character. Well, yeah, indeed, because not only did he do great things to uh, have a major influence on ending apartheid and stuff like that, but he also continued to say many a great thing for the rest of his days. He had good takes on a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, not everyone's takes on everything is perfect, but he did have more hits than misses. Right. And those hits were pretty big sometimes. And uh, when you lose someone like that who has the position to say things that are going to get headlines and actually bothers to say good things, it's a major loss because then we're, less, we're left with fewer of, of those people because they are rare. Very rarely do the people in power actually care. Uh, talking of people in power not really caring, let's go to Kazakhstan. The president, Tokayev, has uh, announced that order has been restored in the country yeah. after days of protest in which 164 people were killed, including a four-year-old girl. Uh, it's a week off, or rather, the, the week of protest is the worst unrest seen in Kazakhstan since it uh, gained its independence from Russia over 30 years ago. However, the, the president did ask for Putin's help. Mm-hmm. Our military personnel arrived in the country and they were told uh, in a a statement from the president to fire at will. Basically, yeah, lethal force was allowed, yeah. So unlike other countries that have seen unrest, um, well, and also like other countries who have seen unrest, I guess, they chose lethal. So there are several countries in the world where there is civil unrest and uh, the result has been a, a lethal response from those in charge, those who have the power and those who monopolize violence. Um it's terrible. It's it's something that, ne- that needs to be responded to by the rest of the, the globe, right? We all have influence over each other. So when you see someone shooting in their own right. shooting their own citizens, you've got to you've got to say something about it. Well, the, 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 just to hear reading some more about it, the demonstrations uh, allegedly began at due to the sharp rise in fuel prices yeah, uh, spread yeah. throughout the country so and spark, though, reflects yeah. wider discontent with the yeah. authoritarian government, which then prompted the Russian-led military alliance to send troops to the country. So what I saw from the coverage of this, James, was very much just, uh, oh, look what's happening over there. Oh, isn't that a sad shame. over there? Such a shame that we can't do anything. W- like, without well, anyone saying, well, hold on, should we should we help? Should we you know, offer assistance? Yeah, we can do a lot. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, but there's there's plenty we can do. It's just we don't want to anger the Russians because they're the Russians. Um, but I think there's more that all of us can do. Like, and by all of us, I mean just other significant countries who hold sway. Right. There's a lot we can do without angering Russia. And we just don't because it would just be an expense. And the last story, James, which you've noted here, was something about a big telescope that they sent into space and uh, appears to be working. Yes. Tell me about it. The James Webb telescope, the big, the new biggest telescope or whatever, the most effective telescope that we've ever made and has ever, we ever sent into space. Wow. Hubble, small beans. James Webb telescope, that's where it's <laughs> big at. Big beans. It has successfully deployed. Um, so basically, this has been a telescope or a project that's been in the works for nice. decades. I think 15 years, maybe longer. It, there was a hiatus. There was funding issues they kept at it it is an engineering marvel nice this the, this is the the, the 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 system here was so complicated that they had to call in origami experts to figure out wow. the best way to fold material huh imagine nasa and origami 
actually had to be put into practice. Um, so the, the big part of this is that the, the thing's in space. It got shot classically on a rocket, not like a giant slingshot or something. Away it went, and each step of its unfolding and coming together to its final form has completed because that was the big worry. It's such a complicated beast. How is it going to work? They had to over-engineer it on every step, and they did it, and it is fully ready to start calibrating, and we're not going to get images for like half a year. <laughs> nice. The only thing I would say to that, James, is when Kevin Feige rearranges the superhero movies uh, when they're due to come out right. and turns the cinema calendar upside down, right. his company has become an engineering marvel. That was awful. That was really, that was not worth, Pick you picked up one <laughs> phrase, sat there for the rest of it and just chose that the one phrase was still worth it. Even as I was saying it, I thought this is, this is absolutely not worth the time. But what a, what a way to end the show. The first one of the year. No, I'm really genuinely, we're going to see so many cool things come from this project. That's great. It's just going to take a little while to calibrate, but I cannot wait to see all the new pictures we get of things that are super far away from us. So far away that by the time we see them, they've long since burned out, right? Probably. Amazing. Yeah, usually. It blows my mind. Okay, well, if this show has blown your mind, then welcome to Seesaw Parade. Yo, wow, but wow. At Seesaw Parade on Twitter, if you have any uh, follow-up comments, you want to disagree, agree, say something, anything. If we missed your favourite story for the last few weeks, which granted we skipped a pretty big one, get D- in touch. Did we? Yeah, Maxwell. Maxwell, oh, her, case, her yeah. case came that she got, she got done. She's going to prison. Prince Andrew, Prince Andrew tried to cover it up again. Uh, he yeah. Oh, he, <laughs> he said to sell his chalet. He, he said that... Um, Basically, Virginia Jeffrey signed a, a, a NDA <laughs> about fifteen years ago, uh, yeah. which said that uh, she she can take legal action. So yeah, 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 yeah. Clearly, nothing. Why would she do that? Nothing happened, and therefore she signed it. <laughs> and also, it's a year since the uh, attack on the Capitol, which is mind blowing. Wow, yeah, big news in general. Nothing's happened. <laughs> Well, we'll come back to those stories as they develop, because they will continue to develop. Prince Andrew, burn. (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening, unless you're Prince Andrew, and we'll see you next week. (laughs) It would be funny, him burning, because he wouldn't even get to sweat to put it out. (laughs) 